0: yo what's going on people welcome to another fine episode of totem talks glad to be here to be to be specific season two episode 21 that's right and that's a number that matters it does we uh, because it means we're winding down that's why i knew it mattered for a
1: reason I thought it was because the season was finally uh, able to drink. Uh,
0: That's true. It's always in a monumentous occasion when our seasons can drink. We take them out for a beer and uh, we do nothing with it.
2: That's true. And what could be more important for musicians than the ability to consume copious amounts of- Or ah, for
0: musicians' episodes of podcasts. Right. Well, yeah. We've already been able to drink. Some more recent than others, Alex. That
2: is
1: very true. Yeah. (laughs) It is more recent.
0: Uh, I'll never forget when you joined the band, you're like, will it be a problem that I'm only 20? I'm like, you're (laughs) a 20. I've known you since you were nine, and I forgot you were 20.
2: Yeah. He looks the oldest of all of us.
0: By far. uh, George says
2: people think
1: I'm 30, and uh, on one hand, I'm like, that's pretty funny, but on the other hand, it hurts a little bit. See, here's the
0: thing, though. You look older, but you're probably going to just continue to look that way for the next 30 years. That's Great point. The,
1: if I do, that'll be wonderful. And that's what I mean.
0: So, like, you're you're paying for it up front, but when you hit like forty five, and people will be like, you look like you're thirty. You look the same. Or they show you, or you show people pictures when you're twenty one. You're like, you look the exact same. You'll, I'm you'll I'm be okay happy.
1: with being the the uh, best looking of the band when we're when we're uh, forty five. Well, when I'm 45, <laughs> like, you guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll you, be like ninety by yeah, then. That's right? what I mean.
0: You you will be because when you're forty five, we're going to be in our like early to mid fifties. Uh, so anyway.
1: wow, that's crazy.
0: And Nick will have been dead for forty years at that point. It's
2: very possible. Who knows? Even, oh.
0: even though the math <laughs> don't, doesn't don't work. Don't try to
2: do the math. Don't try to do the math. So totem talks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 a podcast. That's that's what I got. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. I'm Alex.
0: <laughs> oh hey, Alex. How you doing? I didn't see you there. Good. Uh, what's your name, man? Oh, I'm Pat. I'm okay, Patton. I'm Nick. Uh,
2: we're going over and with three special artists. guest George. No, uh, I'm kidding. No, no. no I'm kidding. George's. But like, we are saving for later. We are doing three artists this week, and we they are. are U.K. Harry Nielsen, and the Doobie Brothers.
0: Yep, those are those are those them. are the three. Those, are although the three. Alex tried really, really hard to have that not be the group. Today. That's
2: true. He really wanted us to do last week's episode <laughs> again. <laughs> Listen, it was a, a common mis- mix up. Very oh, common, all of our yeah. Parts.
0: Fun fact: Alex was supposed to be on last week's, and then uh, work conflicts got the better of him, and so Nick and I did it. And then all this week, as he's doing the listening, he's like, "Is this one of the albums? Like, is is this hard to find?" And and, and Nick's just like, uh, "Alex, that's last week's episode. I've told you this twice already." <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's only, he, okay. He only told me once, and he told me in person, so there was no text evidence. of Oh, it. so
0: there was no possibility of remembering.
1: And then the next time, I have a horrible memory, so it, it that's, wasn't. In that's fair. We had to no, remind you in, were in the person. band. It was, for it was six while months. we were okay. we were doing merch. You said, "I said, oh, is it Root? And you went, "No, it's the UK one." And I went, "Oh, okay." And then I didn't remember. And then
0: uh, I I think you you hold on. I might back Nick up on this because he specifically told me in a phone call. That he reached out to you to ask what you thought of UK, and your response was that you didn't know it was that week. And so he's glad he reached out to you. He's got the receipts.
2: Oh, no. Alex uh, says something. Is it Okay, ready? He says, is that the one we're doing Saturday, not Rusted Root, or is it a double episode? And I said, Rusted Root was already recorded, so we're doing the UK one. It is in text.
0: Wow. What a moment. Yep, I can't believe you just obliterated him like that. I guess it's just a two-man <laughs> podcast again. So, so
1: my opinion on "Cruel Son" for Rusted Root, um, <laughs> yeah, there It was right. a decent album, you know. Well, that's okay. the real question. The... When
0: you, to, uh, albums, you listen to uh, those albums, did you listen to the right grouping, or did you mess up like he
2: did? I did mess up. Oh, uh, what did you listen to? Don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> All right. UK. I listened to the right <laughs> Pat, stuff. Tell us yeah, about UK. UK. Tell us who they are.
0: Uh, so UK are a band. They're a British prog rock super group. Um, originally active from 1977 to 1980, and then kind of variously in the 2000s again. Correct. That's that's how it. That's how they rolled. Uh, and we went over every single album they ever released that's right. as a studio album. All two, all two of them, which is 1978's UK, and then 1979's Danger Money.
2: Excellent. So and I like refuse to-, to go first. You refuse to go first. Okay, fair enough. I think you should go second. Sure, Alex. I would like to because you hear want a you positive first. sandwich. Oh, I'm That's totally right. Okay with that.
1: So I didn't know what to expect of this group. I don't. When when I'm doing my listening, I just put it all on a playlist and I just go right from you the and beginning. me both. And so I didn't look up the band at all. And then I put on the first song in the dead of the night off the first album. And man, what a what a uh, a surprise that was for me. Prog rock on the podcast. Yeah. This is the best thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And man, so the first half of the album is wonderful. Absolutely yep. amazing. I love the instrumentation. I love their musicianship. I love uh John Wetton on the vocals. I think yeah. he's great. And he did all the harmonies himself. Very cool. And it sounds amazing um alan holdsworth is an amazing guitarist absolutely um the second half of the album uh after alaska kind of started to lose me a little bit just because the first half was so amazing mm-hmm. um but, sure but it was still an amazing album overall i loved every moment of it um definitely going to be one that i listen to all the time um in, uh, i in fully my, agree in my in my prog rock listening mm-hmm. right now it's only like
2: close to the edge and uh lamb lies down on broadway Okay, yeah, this should this should definitely make it into the rotation. Definitely.
0: Okay. So, I I foresaw this uh when Nick told me a little bit about UK and then I listened to them. I I didn't dislike them. Let me be clear. I did not dislike them. However, my big problem with prog rock has always just been I'm a vocalist and prog rock barely has vocals. It it does not have a lot of vocals. It doesn't. It doesn't have a lot of vocals. Uh I didn't dislike any of it. I thought that each member of the band did a lot of great things. Uh, they experimented, which I think you know I always find pretty interesting. Um, the drums were really killer on yeah. the whole
2: thing. Bill Bruford is just you know yeah. he's in amazing. that conversation of greatest drummers of all time. I was Hands leaving down. him for you to talk yeah. about, but I was uh, yeah. A, I mean a, that,
0: the first song is like an absolute clinic on the drums. It oh, just absolutely. Just lets you right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wish there was more singing. I thought John Wetton had a good voice. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was more of it. It was very much like one small three-line verse, and then four minutes of music, and then one small three-line verse, and then yeah. a new song. Right. So that's just not really my style. I need to be in the mood to listen to instrumental, and when I listen to instrumental, it's typically like classical stuff. So it's just uh, my just
1: where I go. What Pat's telling me, Nick, is that we can never record our prog rock that's okay. dream album. That's with what low you, you and I are gonna oh, do. That's a,
2: very uh, different. You
0: I, and I are I'll gonna sing form rock. a.
1: Uh, but s- you'll group. have three lines, and then it'll be four minutes of... That's yeah, okay.
0: as a singer, I would love
1: that. Oh, okay, that's... that's Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, he loves it as a performer, but not yeah. as
0: a listener. As a performer, yeah. if you're like, hey, we're doing a whole set that's our stuff, I'll be like, cool, we're going to space out these prog rock numbers so I can get a drink in he'll, between them. Yeah, yeah. right. He'll... he'll- in, anyway. between,
1: in, in the middle of the song, you can go get yeah. a drink yeah. and then right. come back.
0: But I seriously, nothing against them. It was very good stuff. I could tell that all of these people were at the top of their game. I love the violin yeah, used yeah, throughout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eddie, I'm
2: not sure how you pronounce it, whether it's Jobson or Jobson, but Eddie yeah. Jobson, who does all the keys and the electric violin on this, was really awesome. To Absolutely.
0: To. So, like, nothing negative to say. It's just really not my jam. It's just... Sure. Prog rock is not my jam. And that's okay. I said the same thing when, when Tool was around, although I right. preferred more of their prog than their metal. Yes. It's like metal is, is just really not my jam. Prog Agreed. is kind of not my jam. Mm-hmm. I prefer more of the rock stuff. Fair enough.
2: Okay. Um. So I'll talk a little bit. So first of all, for a little bit of background, um, all of these guys, it's Bill Bruford and John Wetton who were both coming over from King Crimson at the time. Uh, Bruford, of course, was also a founding member of Yes, and then he went and joined Wetton and King Crimson. Uh, Eddie Jobson has played with a ton of artists over time. He's been a part of Yes on and off. He's been a part of Jethro Tull. He's been in Roxy Music. He's, you know, he's been with a lot of groups. He's done a lot of really great work. And Alan Holdsworth is very much the same. He's been in, you know, several different groups as well as having a prolific uh, career as a solo artist doing a lot of jazz fusion and progressive rock uh, type stuff. Rolling Stone named this album the 30th best prog rock album of all time. Sure. Uh, and I think, you know, it definitely deserves to be on that list. It is, it is really a phenomenal album. Uh, I mean, I loved every second of it. Uh, I think this was, you know, spoiler alert, and I'm not even saying this in a negative way towards anything else, this was definitely my favorite record of the day, uh, or of the week for me, I, I mean, like, I this it. was so good, I mean, prog rock is arguably my favorite genre of music, Sure. Yeah. so, I mean, this, this played right into my wheelhouse, uh, as a guitarist, I find Alan Holdsworth absolutely inspiring on both his, yeah. uh, electric work and his acoustic work, especially in, uh, the song 30 Years, the acoustic guitar on that is just, you know, out of this world, phenomenal, and Eddie Jobson, you know, as also Low Totem's keyboardist currently. Uh, I wanted to buy a Yamaha CS80 so badly after listening to this record. Like that sound that he gets okay. out of his. Okay. I just want to be clear. I thought is you incredible. were telling me
0: that Eddie Jobson was Low Totem's new keyboardist. It took. It, oh, took, no, no, no. it took
1: me a second, but I thought. Sorry. That I was know. like.
2: I Nick, was just referring to like these different guys and like how you know inspiring was, they I was were like, for me. We're about to get. Whoo, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, that would be amazing. I'm um, in. I but just want to let you know I'm in. Sure. No of course. no audition needed. No, of
1: course. There's gonna absolutely not. going to be a five-minute uh, keyboard solo in the middle of life. I'm okay with that. Go.
2: Yeah. I'm totally. Sure. Uh, another cool thing, like sometimes – On this uh, album, the tracks will blend together. We've had that on a few albums Uh, before. I love when that happens. A a little bit, not a ton, but there were definitely places where it happens. Uh, I could talk about like individually where I loved specific parts on each instrument because everybody is a phenomenal musician here. Um, But instead of doing that, because I've already made it clear how much I love this, I will say my only critique of this record and of this band really is that I just, and it's been throughout his entire career with every band, I just think John Wetton uses too much saturation on his vocals. Like he's a strong enough singer to go without it, and sometimes it just feels like it's too much effect. Like he yeah. he's got a really nice voice, so why do you need it like so saturated? I get it, and that's it. that's pretty much all I've got to say. Well, um,
0: luckily you get to talk. Yeah, even I'm more.
2: gonna go right into the next one, which is Danger Money. Uh, and I also loved this album a ton. Um, some. Things have changed, though. UK is now a trio by the time they get to this record. But actually, two members have left. Uh, Not only has Alan Holdsworth left, so there's actually no more guitar on this record. Um, which was noticeable. Which was noticeable and unfortunate, but I really think uh, that the, the bass and the keys and the violin all shined in the absence of the guitar. 100%. As, violin, I mean, like, violin especially. Yeah, the electric violin was was really incredible to listen to on this mm-hmm. record too. But uh, Br- Bill Bruford is also out at this point, but he's been replaced by Terry Bozio, who is also just like one of the great drummers of this era. Yeah. I mean, like really a phenomenal talent. Bill Bruford. Talent.
1: Is amazing at being in a band and making an amazing album, and, and then, then going. Yeah, hey, I'm done, guys.
2: See, ya. he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm gonna do something else. Yeah, he he likes to move quite a bit. Uh, but every project he's been in a part of, I mean, amazing. has been amazing. I amazing. agree. I'm um, shocked
0: you didn't want to talk about where Terry Bozio has been.
2: Well, I mean, you... obviously, my, my favorite place yeah. is, is playing with Zappa. Because I was I'm, like, you I'm absolutely just, love That's how I, Zappa. I got turned on to Terry Bozio because of his playing with Zappa, and that's, you know, how I know him. Yeah. Um, and Terry really kills it on this record, too. The only thing she needs in particular, that song, is like, whoa. The, it's like, okay, you don't worry about missing Bill Bruford when that comes on. Sure. Uh, and... I will just point out um, the violin on the song Caesar's Palace was also like one of those uh, Caesar's Palace blues is really where it stands out um, as, as just really uh, such a strong addition to the group. Uh, so no guitar, a little sad, but musically, I mean, everything else that was a part of this was just fantastic to listen to. Another great album, UK two for two with great albums as far as I'm concerned.
0: Sure. I agree. I'll let you go second, Alex.
2: Um, I, I, I'm i echoing everything Nick said.
1: I, I, I love this album. Um, I think this, uh, the beginning of the album, like Danger Money, well, like it's a good song. It didn't really grab me. Like for the first album, In the in the Dead of Night grabbed me. Yeah. And I no, was I, like, okay. oh my God. Danger mm-hmm. Money, I think, started it off a little bit like lower. And I Not was a like, strong of an opener. I was like, I don't know if I'm really going to like this. But Rendezvous 602, great song. My favorite song off the album, The Only Thing She Needs. Yeah amazing oh my god that whole dunna, dunna, dunna. Mm-hmm. oh great i loved it super killer um and all the all the the violin solos mm-hmm. are are yeah. amazing like oh yeah you, you if you're listening to them and you didn't know i would think they were guitar solos and with like yeah, some crazy right. effects I, wrote on that them. I was
2: like wait is there a guitarist featured on this album and i went back and looked and i was like no that's the electric violin yeah
1: it sounds amazing so like they're they're not using the violin like maybe how it would conventionally be used right but it sounds great um, but I like,
0: can do, I can attest to that because this is a prog rock album and not a classical music album. <laughs> Violin is definitely being used differently
1: here. Well, y- yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> you know, but so I heard no Beethoven. Th- this, yeah, well, there were maybe maybe influences. I'm sure, yeah, I have no doubt. Oh yeah. But I just when you want to give to the some heavier credit.
0: Rock, there's always classical influences.
1: True. I want to give some credit to John Wetton. It's not easy to play bass and sing. Oh, absolutely and not, especially when you're playing stuff like this. Yeah, that's He's very complex. Killing it. You're killing absolutely it. right. Amazing. And yeah, I, I just I, lo- I I liked this album maybe a little bit less than the first album, mm-hmm. but okay. still really liked it. Yeah, two great ones. Okay.
0: Well, uh, I disagree. No, I'm kidding. I don't disagree. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. It's just not my jam. Like it's not my style. I agree with everything you're saying. Like objectively looking at it, I also really was impressed by the new drummer. I was really impressed by the violin. I thought the solos did really well uh, throughout. Uh, the only thing she needs was like a full testament to prog rock in general. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought Carrying No Cross as a closer was incredibly long at 12 minutes, yeah. but not... To, it didn't
2: <laughs> but feel... Beautiful. incredibly yeah, I mean, long. Right, but like we've talked about before, if you have a 12-minute song, but there's no there's, change yeah. in evolution, there's no growth, then it there, can and get there boring. But here. there's a it, lot of that here. It
0: was really good. It was a beautiful closer. The difference between the, the three of us here is that I can objectively say these songs are really good and i enjoyed the listening for the week but they didn't get put on my playlist i just sure. i don't love the no genre. alex so and I, I are both I've major have i've said minutes. that about some yeah, of the later yeah.
2: artists yeah that's exactly good. the difference between yeah we're we're huge prog people it's arguably the favorite genre for both of us yeah and not for you hey, pat yeah.
1: it's okay it's okay you know you seem I'm like you're
2: you seem like you're afraid to say like
1: you're like guys i don't really like prog yeah, oh, you're, I, okay. I've, you're, you're trying I'm to very aware. toe onto The fact it, yeah. that
0: I've never suggested we sing a prog song or do a prog song should let you know.
2: In the dead of night. Anyway, yeah. That would be, that'd be cool. Uh, so let's just get to grading because we're, we're all finished yeah, up Yeah, let's that. do so, it. So, I mean, here's the th- The only thing other than just a flat point one is the fact that it's a super group and these guys were well-known musicians from big groups and it's always a big deal when a big group breaks up. I mean, um, here's like the fact so. for Wetton and Bruford to leave King Crimson, which is one of the foundational prog rock acts yeah. to form something else uh, with other so. well-known musicians in those circles is something. So and I think they oh might be more God. than point Nick, 0.1. we're what so stupid. Say.
0: We're the stupidest people ever. Hold on. This is important. I completely forgot that John Wetton was involved in Uriah Heap. Yeah, which we did on the podcast. Nick. I know. So I therefore... also
2: mentioned that Eddie Jobson spent some time in uh, Jethro Tull, But yeah, but you, yeah, didn't, but hit the you button didn't let then. me
0: hit the button. You didn't. Okay. You got to signal yeah. me with your oh, eyes. I'm Sorry. Yeah. You got to but... give
1: me the eye signal. I'm oh, sorry. Um, but it, to, to echo Nick's um, uh, points, um, while they are a supergroup and and they did like break off, if I'm thinking, oh, what what supergroup has John Wetton been in? I'm thinking of Asia. Sure. Yeah. And so so I don't think they're getting that like it, I no, no, think no, no. I'm where trying to argue them go, from a point one to like maybe a, a point, point something. Three. I'm yeah, saying, exactly. I'm saying point
2: three. Because because I, I really did. Like, I love these guys. Like, yeah, totally. I really That's didn't know. Literally, my only argument was like they should get something slightly above the worst possible score. Yeah. I, I, I think a point yeah. three is kind of maybe the, the ceiling. I
1: think that's totally fine. What do you think, Pat?
0: Uh I mean, I'm looking at it. Uh, I can give you a point three to make you feel better. But if you uh, want to go I point put there.
1: like two, I'm. Um,
2: um, I just you th- are uh, you thinking point one? I mean, they are a super. I group. can give them, them a point two. Are. I'll average it out. To I'm a point okay with. I mean, there are definitely well-known musicians in this group. Yeah, well-known musicians and the only who joined the group after breaking up very well-known bands. Right. So that's that's think, a thing. But I think the only the only song you would know
1: by them is "In the Dead of Night," mm-hmm. and even that, right. like, you'd have to be really totally. into prog. Yeah, we know. don't
2: we don't disagree on that. Yeah. Uh breadth of work. So there are only <laughs> okay. two albums here. We got to yeah. start from the the two album uh, area, which is in like the high one point somethings.
0: Yeah, it's probably like a one point seven or eight. And
2: I would take them to a two because they're incredibly exceptional albums
0: i can live with a two uh i'm because that's it nobody I mean,
2: bought they them. well i mean they chart it's not like they ch- didn't chart like the, both of they these didn't albums chart charted that well. at six they charted 65 and 45 pat if so you want to bring existed. them
1: down i'm okay i'm okay if you want to bring them down a little bit i think i think a two might be a tiny bit high for only
2: two albums then a
0: yeah, 1.9 a 1.9 i'll do okay i'll do
2: Okay, that's totally fine. There's no way we can have a debate that the instrumental talent is below the nines. There's just no, no, yeah, no, no. Okay. Amazing, world amazing. that exists amazing. in which this group is not at least in the mid to high
1: nines. I think the only thing that maybe gives it a little bit lower is is John Wetton
2: is like sometimes he kind of stretches what he can mm-hmm. do vocally. And I'm totally yeah. fine with that. But instrumentally, these guys are all like world class. Yeah, And right. I think we all agree on that.
0: Listen, I I agree there's very high high scores that need to be given for hey, the totally. do you think? What do you instrumental think? here. Uh I would take away a little bit for the, you know, John Wetton. For John Wetton. And I'm not going to lie. I think when you have a group that's only been together for two albums and they drastically changed the lineup you lose a little bit you've lost a guitar player for the second album sure even though terry bozio and bill bruford are right up on each other i don't even take mm-hmm. away points for that no you can't because the fact they're, both, that they're two of the greatest they're both yeah. two
2: tens as drummers and for UPN. sure
0: i'm not i'm nothing yeah. away from that i'm just saying like they lose have to lose just a little bit for the sheer fact that they only were together for two albums mm-hmm. and couldn't keep a lineup for those two albums
2: so sure. so what's your number
0: i would give them like a nine three or a nine four
2: I was about to say my floor I is a nine three. I might go nine four, nine four. Bring days. it up to nine four. Yeah, I mean it's st- they're still they're it. still
0: all virtuosic. There's nothing yeah, against exactly.
2: them exactly, uh, for sure. Uh, and again, I think when we're talking about songwriting talent, the only thing that we're really taking away from these pieces is that there are just so few of them. What they've done on those records is very impressive. Very well crafted pieces. Uh, they're all you know a lot evolving of pieces. A lot of thought has gone into everything that they've done. Uh, And it's definitely above average writing talent for a smaller amount of work. Yep. Yes. So how do we average that out?
0: Typically when we have a a much smaller sample size like this, uh, we would move our max from the tens to the fives.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Um, And if that's the case, even though they're great, Mm -hmm. I would be putting them in the fours. Probably in like the four, five-ish, four, six-ish range.
2: What do you think about that, Alex?
1: Um... I zoned out. We're doing songwriting talent, right? Sorry, I, 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 I kind of I zoned out and then zoned back in as you were saying a sentence that was really long.
2: Pat just, Pat just gave his whole explanation. No, no I, I
1: heard his whole explanation. I didn't so know do what I agree with was. Pat's
2: four six or are you. Oh, else? Uh,
1: so if it's songwriting talent, I'm in the five. Yeah, I was I thinking think in the five as well. I'm, I'm I'm
2: five. Like I was like, okay, if I was thinking five is the ceiling. I'm um, I'm five. I would be there as well.
0: Listen, and that's fine. I understand it. If you can has, average us
2: down to like a 4.9 if you're at 4.6 and we're both at 5.
0: I I will do that. I just think only two albums is such a
2: small And that's sample. the only reason they're not like a couple points above average for, sure. for us. If I they think.
0: had even four albums, they would be they probably would be, almost a 7.
2: I agree. What about three?
0: Three <laughs> albums, they'd be above a 5, yeah. maybe okay. almost to a 6.
2: Definitely. Okay. Uh, poetic talent. What do you guys think about this? I didn't listen there to. Wasn't
0: you. There. There, w- there, did listen to there
2: wasn't that much there. There, weren't a lot of lyrics. There wasn't I that much there. There wasn't that much
0: lyrics, and the lyrics they had weren't like. To profound. me, they were
2: the ones. That they were amongst the lyrics where I will take or leave them. They didn't affect the yeah. song yeah. quality for me either in either direction. Very true. Which is normally for us a five, but because we're talking about a smaller amount of work, it's going to be lower.
0: Yeah, significantly. The, the so, qu- I mean, the question is, if it's a five, normally we make our ceiling for this a five. I guess with two. Two and a half.
2: Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and then they do have to get the super group X Factor.
0: Which, yeah, which I would consider the only X Factor for the band themselves. So I have, uh, Alex has another one. I okay. have
1: a, a reason to give them a point one for X Factor. Fascinating. I've told I can't Nick wait. this, and he's on board.
0: Oh, I'm not shocked that he'd be on board to give them more points. I,
1: I'm very on board for that. <laughs> in their song, 30 Years, okay, they have the lyric, lifetime left to go.
2: I'm in. Point one. All right, all right. There we go. We've said so How many? You know why? Because I
0: actually, when
2: I listened to it, I said I wanted it to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. I thought about it too. So, how many uh, does that give us overall? Uh, what is our supergroup? Is it two points? It. Mu- I think it's like a half a point actually. Is it? Give him oh, a point. Man. Give him a point for give it. Give him a point. One point one. Okay. Fine. I'm gonna do it. We can go back and we're, change. Yeah, it if we're we gonna need give him a one point one live people. If but we go back and and yeah, we're gonna go back and reevaluate what the supergroup bump is. Okay. Let's move on to Harry Nielsen.
0: All right, Harry Edward Nielsen III, known professionally as Nielsen, was an American singer-songwriter who uh, who was active from 1958 to 1994. That's right. And uh, he was he was a guy who did some singing and did, did some songwriting and and did some stuff.
1: Is he, is he known as Nielsen or is he known as Harry Nielsen? Because like, uh, he went I mean, by Nielsen for a chunk of his career. Really, I didn't know yeah. that. I like. I feel like I only kind of was just like Harry Nielsen. Well, he's not right. one of those like notable people who can use his last name. Yeah, right, well mm. he he did. He, uh, yeah, he did so, do that. I guess so that's right. fine. Yeah, like no Morrissey. <laughs> sorry Harry Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well, God. Right, here,
2: Why sorry, are we Nielsen. bodying this man like, right yeah. when he first opened? That's terrible. I just should we just talk about his albums? Which yeah. albums yes. did we, go we went over
0: three of his albums. Uh we went over Spotlight on Nielsen, which came out in nineteen sixty six. Then Nielsen Schmielson which came out in nineteen seventy one, and then let's see if I can pronounce this right: <laughs> "Lost and Found," right? Which came out because in twenty nineteen. There are
2: two s's in Nielsen, so he put two s's in everything he ever did, and the two ends and, and found, the two ends and found. Yeah,
0: which I guess technically there are two ends in Nielsen.
2: Yeah, you're you wouldn't right. think of it, but there are. But there are. You are right.
0: Although only one end,
2: only one n and end. Yeah, very inconsistent. Honestly,
0: seriously, it should have been "Lost and Found." Let's just grade them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, uh, based, based off yeah, of on this title. Zero's across <laughs> Zero. the board.
2: Uh, no, we'll um, talk about it. Who wants to go first? Uh, why don't Alex you go first? First oh, on the last one, yeah, I think. So oh, I you did, go first, okay. Nick. You, you did open up UK. So I'll go first on this one. So, That's what I just uh, said. I am like probably most people in that when I hear Nielsen, most of what I... I knew a few other songs, but most <laughs> of what I know and think, associate him with... Very bold of you with, to assume that this
0: is most people and well, not only people who know Nielsen. With Music. the
2: song "Without You," I mean, almost anyone would recognize it upon hearing it. It's a it's a pretty darn famous song. It was a number one hit for him, and it's been recorded by other people. Like it's a Although very fully recognizable. Not song. his
0: most recognizable song after listening. Well, anyway, we, we will talk yeah, about.
2: We it. We will. Um, so I had I did not expect this to be like a pop rock album of yeah. the mid '60s. Like, uh, it sounded to me sort of like almost a monkeys album uh and okay. then i found out that the second track good times was actually covered by the monkeys on the reunion album in 2016 i was like oh that makes sense because it sounds like it would have been one of their <laughs> songs to start out with a mark um, of a good cover song yeah i guess so uh, a lot of songs he didn't write on here which i was also surprised by yeah. because going into this i saw that rolling stone ranked him the 62nd greatest songwriter of all time he was I, on that you list You know what,
0: though he did write
2: a he good wrote, chunk. Oh, he wrote... yeah, Or but was about, a
0: credited writer as but, well. Right, but he, he there didn't was only write three about three songs. half of the songs on here. No, there was only exactly. three songs that he wasn't a writer on. Okay. So you think You've Got Troubles was Marvin Rainwater, I'm Gonna Lose My Mind was Johnny Cole, and then 16 Tons is Merle Travis. Right. The rest of them he was um, credited as a writer. Him and Jay... Mara Scalco on Born in Granada, and then him and uh, J.R. Shanklin What about uh, the G's first yours.
2: song, The Path That Leads Trouble, is also yeah. Johnny Cole? Like, there are, there are at least four or I five just, I just like how, anyway, it how,
1: how the Wikipedia page says, all tracks composed by Henry Nielsen. Except the ones that aren't. Yeah, except yeah. for,
2: like, a good chunk yeah. of them. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, I can enjoy a nice pop rock album from the mid-60s, uh, something monkeys esque It was fun. Um and, you know, I had fun for the 22 minutes that this album lasted. I, I didn't think it was bad at any time. There were times mm-hmm. where I got maybe more of like a mama's and papa's vibe because um, he had backing vocalists that were female yeah. backing vocalists on You Can't uh, Take Your Love uh, Away from Me. So I kind of got that vibe too. But it was all just like pretty standard pop for this time, which makes sense because it was really just a compilation of his singles and the B-sides that he had released previous to this. Yes. It wasn't like thought of or constructed as an album to go together so i get why it would feel like slightly disjointed but fun, forgettable, though. And that's about it. Um, I'll go next. Um, I, I,
1: I kind of echo a lot of the sentiment Nick sang. Um, I think this I, this album felt like very, like, by-the-book kind of 60s music. Um, it reminded me of, like, Roy Orbison or, or Buddy Holly in that regard. Kind of just, like, really just, like, you know, not really changing much. It was just, like, how everybody else is doing it, and this is how he's doing it. Um, I, I don't necessarily—I I didn't, like, dislike it at all, but I don't know that I liked it at at all um i would I, happily I, hear it
2: again but i would probably not
1: put it on again myself yeah i didn't like his version of 16 tons i thought it was a nice <laughs> treat that so that that's a song nick plays live yeah. at our gigs it's, it was very unique the way he did it and yeah he doesn't it was, have the low range it was it. unique but it, i i did not like it I, at first i was like oh this is 16 tons that's really cool yeah and then i got like a minute into it and i'm like no i don't i don't i don't really like this not yeah. not great um but you know it was it was just very by the book and i i can't Ne- say much, you know, good about it, but I there's nothing really bad about it either. Yeah,
2: that I think we came across we we heard that one the same way. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I understand where you're coming from. Uh I I'm a little softer on this album than you guys. Uh I thought it had moments in it that were that were pretty good. Uh I understand where you're coming from with it. It definitely didn't break the mold, especially when you compare it to himself later. He mm. definitely has more of that later on, but you know, nothing against it at all. Um for me, it kind of just boils down to he didn't write enough here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I, I understand. I mean, I did want to give him credit for writing more than we than originally was thought of because he's a credited writer on some of these as sure. well. But it just was okay for that stuff. I mean, the highlights for me were the fact that, one, I wasn't expecting this from him. Yeah. So when you come into something with expectations and you get kind of subverted, mm-hmm. you tend to, to overlook a little bit. Sure. Uh, especially when it's a style of music I enjoy. I mean, yeah. I enjoy this style. I didn't expect Nielsen to sing it. So when he was, it took me probably four or five songs to be like, okay, I'm yeah. a little ready to move on. Uh, the highlights that I had, I liked the opener, The Path That Leads to Trouble. Um. I liked the new Salvation Singers uh, backing him on the first two tracks. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then I liked the closer, or the second to last song, I'm sorry, Growing Up, um, I thought was a highlight, one that I would probably continue to listen to.
1: Okay. Can can I, uh, really quickly, I have one more thing that I want to say about this. Absolutely I'm... not. All right, whatever. No, I would like to I, I just want to get your guys' opinion on this. Yeah. Did you guys think the songs faded out weird? Like, I feel like Once the songs twice. would be getting, like, to a, like a good length like kind of where I want to hear like one more verse or like a little bit more chorus and it would fade out Yeah, I just mean, like at a weird yeah, part and I, I don't like, know I if think that was that's short, a lot of the time records. yeah I True. think because
2: you needed yeah. like the two minute play time mean, yeah, exactly. so, like, yeah. it's a 10 song record but it's only 22 minutes and change yeah so yeah. I, I the think the song indication. is two
0: minutes and 48 seconds that's growing up Mm-hmm. Uh, so, huh, look at me liking the longest there you go. song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so pulled I pulled a I'm regular not, nick. I'm,
1: yeah. not trying to, I'm not trying to, like, you know, uh, bash him for it in any way, but I just, like, I think that's just something weird that maybe turned me off to the album a little bit more. Sure, I sure. get you.
0: Look at that. You know when technology just doesn't work, how fun that is? You mean is. all the time? Do you have a touchscreen? I did. Apparently I thought not you anymore. Were just, I
1: thought you were just touching your computer screen, and I'm like, Pat, it's not It's not good screen. for the screen.
0: <laughs> it used to be a touchscreen. Apparently it stopped. Oh, well. Uh, but... I'm going to talk about Neil Schneid. Now Schmiel's it's just a normal yeah. laptop. Uh, my first thought was very Beatlesque, uh, yeah. clearly influenced by the Beatles, but at the same time it was unique. So it wasn't like just a Beatles cover album.
2: No, definitely not.
0: Um, it had its moments of uniqueness, and a lot of them for me start right in the beginning. So you have got to get up. I love that all of a sudden you're hearing piano and horns.
2: Um, it's very
0: catchy that song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's immediately a different sound.
2: Sure. One of the w- tracks that I knew, that I recognized and knew going into this. Yeah. Okay. And it's a really good one. One of the, one of his bigger songs. Yeah. There's so. a big drop off after the first couple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, but seriously, so you have a lot of immediate difference in the beginning. Uh, and it keeps going with driving along. It's, uh, i I said this before, um, I love the the upbeat sound mixed with cynical lyrics. That's just like mm-hmm. a fun thing for me. Uh, And I also thought that this song was the first one where he really got to show off his range. Uh, You really got to hear some high notes from him. Nielsen isn't exactly going to light the world on fire vocally, but he definitely has a really interesting range to his voice and he uses it. And he doesn't have a bad voice. Uh, There's plenty of bad singers we've dealt with on the podcast. He's not one of them. He's just very middle of the road. But... The, the amount of range he has in his voice kind of balances that out a little bit. Uh, and then I have to talk about uh, the B-side here, which has his two most famous songs right on uh, Without You is what opens it up. Um, a very intriguing song. I'm sure you'll talk about that a little sure. more. But mm-hmm. that's the one that we had mentioned that you will know. And then what is very clearly his most famous song of all time that I never knew was a Nielsen nope. song. Nope, me neither. Is Coconut. Yeah, because you put the lime in the coconut and shake it all up. Yeah, and I never knew that was Nielsen. Uh absolutely love that it was.
2: Yeah, you know I would <laughs> it was have a just fun thought moment. that that was like a children's song or something. I have no, no idea how an adult comes to those lyrics and puts together that like where does that come from? It's just so bizarre. Like I could never in a million yeah. years write that song. If if you're like just spend the next million years writing as many unique and weird and different songs as you possibly can. Never would it occur to me to sing the coconut song or anything like
0: it. It's it's very
2: interesting. Uh but that's all I had. All right, Alex, did you want to go next or do you want me to get to take over? Um I'll go
1: next okay. uh cuz I really don't have much to say. Um I listened to this album uh so Just to give everybody um, uh, uh, a little behind the scenes on uh, Friday morning, I said, "Hey, uh, uh, is this the listening for or like what album am I listening to for this person?" They went, "You're listening to the wrong week." And I went, "Oh crap!" Luckily, it's it's a Friday and it's a short like (laughs) you know kind of listening day.
0: I know we talked about that earlier. I just want to establish that was the third time.
1: Yeah, no, it was. You were at time. I just
0: want everybody to not think that when Nick brought the receipts earlier, that was from a conversation on
2: Friday. It was not. It was, it was not like Monday or Tuesday.
1: But in my defense, it's also finals. It was also finals week for me. And sure. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. He's Blame it on boy, finals week. I, I'm going to. Not anymore. Well, not anymore. Yeah. Um, right, right. But so. I, I listened to this all uh, like yesterday and this was playing while I was counting cash at work um so I was I was listening to the first and the second album um they kind of just blended together I didn't really notice that it shifted to the next album until I believe the third song uh, early in the morning mm-hmm. and I was like is this a new album because he sounds a little bit different right and I looked and it was um I think it was more of the same for me um i didn't necessarily hate it like or dislike it in any way but it's just really not my jam um i didn't know harry nielsen played instruments but he plays piano and all this stuff and like kind of keyboard instruments like mellotron the organ Mm -hmm. and all that i think that's really cool but um and i have a six degrees of totem talks
2: i'm so glad that i can uh mention that's okay pat will just blame you later when he doesn't press the button for six degrees of Totem talks I'm gonna bank a couple. That's okay, because I have one for every single member of his band. There you go. There Banked you go. a couple. So, well, uh, I'll, I'll let. Prepare your ears. I'll,
1: t- I'll take. I'll take one of them. Um, the bassist on his uh, record, Klaus Foreman, was also um, heavily involved with the Beatles. He designed the cover for Revolver. Yep, and that
2: I didn't win like a Grammy for that, I believe. Probably.
1: Yeah. Um, but also was the bassist for Manfred Mann. Right. And he's the one who gave
2: time. them the name Manfred Mann's Earth Band, it's, which we talked about. There we the go. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. that's that's the six degrees. You're right. And I'll just continue while we're in the middle of it. Everyone, Jim Gordon, who, when he's not being the police commissioner in Gotham, was also the drummer for this record and the drummer for Derek and the Dominoes um chris spedding who played guitar on this record has also played with jack bruce paul mccartney and donovan and herbie flowers who uh played bass on the tracks that vorman didn't play on has also played with elton john and paul mccartney and ringo starr and george harrison ton of other people we've talked about but anyway wow yeah i know right? that
0: was practically different six degrees of totem talks how wonderful
2: But anyway, uh, I'll talk about this album. Obviously, I mean, without you, the big thing. What is so great about that song, why I think it became, you know, a number one hit and which catapulted um, this song for Nielsen is his vocal performance. As Pat kind of pointed out before, he's not particularly great as a vocalist, except on this one song where he is phenomenal. Yep. Uh, And what I think really does it, does the trick, is that he does the first chorus down an octave. And then he does the second chorus. He goes up an octave. Creates and a dynamic the third, range. right? And then the third chorus, he actually does a variation on the melody that goes even slightly higher. So it feels like it has continued to build throughout the song and get more emotional and bigger and bigger, uh, yeah. which is why I think it's his version is the definitive version. Even though he didn't write it, it was originally a song by Badfinger. Badfinger, a band that uh, started at uh, the Beatles recording studio and who Paul McCartney used to write a bunch of songs for. Go figure. Um I'm not going to push the button No, please don't. That's Um, too deep. But I will mention this was also uh, on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time at 281. So coming into this, like knowing that song, a few other Nielsen songs, knowing that this album was so highly critically acclaimed and really well regarded, I came out pretty disappointed even though I didn't dislike it at all. I was expecting to like be to really love it, to think that it was like a profound record just based on all the acclaim it's gotten and the little bit I knew about Nielsen coming in. And it was just a solid record with one or two highlights. And okay. so to me, it was like a very average-ish record. And I was, and because of that, I'm more down on it than I normally would be. Like if I didn't have expectations going into I'm it, it might angry, be- I'm not angry,
0: I'm just disappointed.
2: I guess, yeah. Like, You're grounded, It, it might be a B-minus record for me instead of a C-plus record. Or something like that had I not had expectations going in. But to me, it was just super average. Wow, you nothing... must be a great teacher. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what? This is probably a B minus, but I expected an A, so you get a C.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how, how <laughs> I do things at work. <laughs> um, But unless anyone has anything else to say, I'm actually going to take us all the way to 2019. When yes. Lost and Found comes now, out. Now, I think we should be clear that Harry Nielsen died in 1994. Yes, uh, which is before 2019, I think. That's correct. Um, but he was, I guess, in the middle of working on this album. And then yeah. uh, with the blessing of his estate, they finally completed and put together this album uh, and then put it out You know, all these years later. And I actually thought this might have been his best album from beginning to end. This one was the one that I thought was by far his most interesting record. And I think it's because it reminded me of Elvis Costello in some ways, because I felt like he was getting very experimental. You know, Costello was a guy we talked about, couldn't really sing. So he relied on getting really creative with his songwriting, bringing in different instrumentations, doing things a little bit differently. And that was the vibe that I got on this album. And because of that, I ended up really liking it... um, A lot more however there were some questionable lyrics uh specifically the last song what does a woman see in a man I just thought that was so ridiculous (laughs) like what an absurd it was basically like men are so stupid and stinky and horrible and women are perfect angels how do they put up with us guys yeah (laughs) it was Um, but other than that like in terms of the songwriting which is what I was most concerned about uh I ended up liking this by far by far, the most. Woman Oh Woman was a track that sounded to me like it should have been in a Pixar movie. Like, why was it not?
0: <laughs> Maybe it will like, be. Yeah, there was, it there only was definitely came out in a more
2: Randy Newman-ish. Uh, also, he covered a Yoko Ono song, which is yeah, just bizarre. Yeah, which was shocking. I didn't hear any I mean, screeching at all. I mean, doing those songs other than Yoko has got to be better, right?
1: So I, I listened to that song, and I was like, the lyrics in this are weird. Like yes. Like, it, it's Listen to Snow is Falling it's falling in your bed and i'm like that's that's <laughs> well you should bring the bed little, inside uh, guys yeah and then i looked and saw his yoga oh no i was like "Oh okay, yeah of that course makes sense.
2: right yeah does anyone else want to talk about this one yeah there? so I've i'll, really I'll, I'll
1: kind of I'll, I'll i'll piggyback off of you um so this this album um i i like nick said i thought it was i thought it was the best out of all of them mm-hmm. um because and and it reminded me of donovan's last album okay. where his voice is like older and like mm-hmm. I think there are definitely some hints of maybe like post production kind of done. Sure. Some sometimes the singing just sounds like too good. Right. And well like, it was recorded in the, the early nineties
2: and then they kind of you know Just Sat on, it for, sat on yeah. it for like a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mark
0: really was involved in the early recording and then also the the mastering to turn these demo tracks into songs so yeah you'll hear a little bit more processing
1: yeah mm-hmm. so i i think there might have been a little bit but i thought overall it was a really strong album um yeah. one of the songs that like I, I find it funny that um they had uh the yoko ono song listen the snow is falling and right after that he has try which to me felt really like a beatles song sure like like i when when listening to it, I was like, "This almost is this like a cover of a song that I don't know by the Beatles." Right. And I looked, and it wasn't, but it just sounds like a song that they would have written. Sure. So, mm-hmm. um, but I I really like this. Like Nick was saying, I think he got a little bit more experimental. You exactly. know, it was a decade. I, I think when he was recording, it said like it was been a decade since he recorded his last album. So yeah, right. So. And I
2: wonder if it was just um, in part like he no longer felt like he needed to do it for other people, and there's like an yeah. element of like fully being creative for himself exactly on the zone that maybe didn't exist and and yeah so
1: this this album like like I said before felt to me a lot like Donovan's Mm -hmm. last album but a lot better.
2: Sure. Uh quality wise. Sure. Also just to to be said, I mean it's not like the other tragedies that we have seen on this podcast week in and week out. Absolutely but very sad that he died of heart failure at only fifty two years old. That's very young. Yeah definitely tragic.
0: Well, okay, so I I definitely understand uh, where you're coming from with this album. I enjoyed a lot of it. I wasn't expecting to. Um, I think also, I I mean, I'm the sentimental one of the bunch. So the fact that this is like a posthumous release, that he, you know, unfortunately passed away. I also read a little bit about the, like, terrible argument he got into with his recording label. Uh, he basically went in, he took a decade off of recording. And then in Mm 1990-ish, he went in and was like, hey, I want to make more music. And I don't know the specifics of that meeting, but it ended with him like walking out, trashing the company, absolutely hating them. It was a whole big kerfuffle, to use that word. Yeah,
2: it's important that we use it. (laughs) Um, There was a lot of hullabaloo.
0: Yeah, good, good. (laughs) Uh, So he was like, okay, I'm going to just go do this. And him and Mark Hudson uh, went into the studio to record this album. And then he passed away before it finished. Uh, Mark Hudson, uh, after years, finished the album for him and, and did manage to have this final Nielsen album released. So unlike other posthumous work, this was always meant to be an album. Right. Um, a lot of other, you know, when we did Otis... Sure. Yeah, a lot of things. Otis's last album, yeah, wasn't meant to be an album in content. You know, this was right. This was
2: obviously not like the final picture that Nielsen had in mind. He Didn't have it finished, but it was the intention was there.
0: Uh, I thought "Lost and Found" the opener was was a strong track.
2: Yeah, really. Uh,
0: And I will say, you know, so he's. In between forty nine and fifty two when he was recording this stuff. Right. So he's not old by no, any stretch. No, not at all. Um definitely an aged voice, a deeper register than the Nielsen you you would have heard before. Uh, but still definitely has this same vocal talent. Sure. You know, whatever you believe that to be for
2: Nielsen. Yeah, right, exactly.
0: Uh it was still there. Uh a lot of these I thought were were some he showed a little bit of wit. Uh, UCLA was a little bit of a witty song, mm-hmm. some sharp humor involved. Sure. A little scathing in a good way. Right. Uh, but he also had the capability to be soft, like on the song Lullaby. It was a very soft, sweet sound. It also hid the shortcomings of his voice rather well in the in the folds of that song. Uh, I thought Animal Farm was unique. I couldn't understand why you cover Yoko Ono. <laughs> uh, and then I also had weird but trying to be sweet uh, for what does a woman see in a man. Yeah, very weird. Uh, a bit dated. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, But it was he was trying. He was trying. He was trying to be sweet. he It's not like he came off trying to be. A lot of these no. people, they come off trying to sound a little crass. Sure. No, that was not. Case, he yeah. didn't. He just, you know, he thought all men were smelly, awful people. And how could That's these correct. angelic, beautiful women like us? Which is a sentiment that kind of carries. Yeah. Just, you know, we
3: say
2: it better now. Sure. That's all I got. All right. Let's grade him. <laughs> let's grade him. say it better now so you <laughs> uh, say it's good now he does he does coconut song 100 points for cultural impact yeah <laughs> easily easily 100 points yeah no, i mean honestly funny his, funny his, two, the, the his two serious songs would be coconut i mean i guess that that has to count for some points here but without you was like his big number one hit yeah. that was and that was obviously didn't he thing. win a grammy for it too uh probably he did i know it was the number one song yeah so it's um, a big song. Yeah. So is that one point per song? Is it one and change I, uh, for Coconut? For me, I think it's it's one point. Just and one? I, I'm, I'm on. Well, I'm a on, one point implies can, a one-hit wonder. And I, can, I think we're I saying he's a two-hit wonder.
1: Well, I don't see. I didn't know Coconut was Nielsen. No, that's true. I didn't either. Yeah. None so, of us did. But well, at, so at the same I don't time, think you can...
0: Coconut has been featured prominently in a lot of movies and films and TV shows. I, I can, shows. I can that.
1: be brought up, but I'm going to Hey gonna Arnold, say, the movie? That's a great one. I've never seen it. I would,
2: say, I, purposely picked I would say not Reservoir dogs as having the coconut song in it. I would say definitely more than one, but probably not by much.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm thinking like a one point four.
2: I'm cool with that. Okay. Alex, can you live with that? I can live with that. All it. right, great. Uh, for Breath of Work, he does have sixteen albums. He yes. does have sixteen. Um, with the exception exception of Nielsen Schmielson and the the following album, Son of Schmielson, uh he's not had any certifications. Each of those two went gold yeah uh so i might be willing to throw him an extra point one on top of a score for that uh and if i'm being honest for the most part his music for me is pretty much just like not taking away not giving too much extra either so i would be like mostly right about where 16 albums that sell very moderately would take us which is where
0: yeah i mean that's still in the sixes. in the sixes yeah okay i was
2: was thinking like a six point maybe like two
1: Uh, i would probably even go like a six four Six four.
0: Sixteen albums is sixteen a lot. albums is height. a lot
2: of albums. Yeah, sixteen 16 albums, albums, sixteen tons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, six point four. Let's do I'm it. I'm okay with it. Um, instrumental talent, like you kind of mentioned, is a weird one. Like Nielsen's voice yeah. in particular, because we're gonna focus more on him than the studio musicians. Um, yeah. Sometimes it can detract, and sometimes it can be really good, and most of the time it's somewhere in between those two Which things. Which kind of balances it's out two five. Yeah, are you uh, I, would, I would
0: argue a five point two because I think the thing that Alex mentioned, which is very true, mm-hmm. piano is involved in this with Nielsen. He does play an instrument as well. Oh yeah, and he totally. does a good job at everything he does. He on does it. more consistent as a piano player than as a than as a singer. That's totally fair.
2: I'm um, I'm fine with a five two. Good songwriting talent. Uh, I mean, he is widely He is widely regarded. He and is as a good songwriter. Yeah. I mean, he wrote Coconut. He wrote Coconut, which for me is like... The pinnacle. Yeah, probably the greatest song of all time. Or almost a distraction here. Um, It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Great point. Um,
0: No, but seriously, he he has...
2: not until the last album did I really hear anything where I would have been giving above average credit for songwriting. I on, think is where so. I honestly I think feel. So. It would have been like mostly probably about a five ish, and then the last album would bump me a little.
0: Yeah, I understand. I do think that with Nielsen, we did miss a chunk of his songwriting.
2: We we definitely did. There so, are a lot of his other albums. And I know some of those other songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's but. he's
0: highly acclaimed as a songwriter he he
2: totally is so it i mean we're which is i think give him a little bit on that right which is why i think i'm like slightly disappointed because i i just had my expectations were just higher for him
0: i listen i understand where you're coming from i just think that with nielsen because of the way that we formulaically have to do this i just think because it was his highest selling album i don't think it was his best album
2: probably not and i think even though critics seem to think so yeah, well, critics suck. That's true. <laughs> I'm not saying like he he shouldn't be above average or anything, but
0: yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm like high sixes, low sevens.
2: Okay, I would be like six.
0: Yeah, see, that's the problem. And I think I think that we have to, even though we didn't get to listen to them as part of the podcast. No, I, have to I give 16 him to understand write- that. Sixteen albums he wrote on a lot. of of even the first album which is something we don't see sure. and i think that since he's so highly acclaimed i think maybe we'd give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here and all right bump
2: him. how much higher than six do you want to go because
1: i said seven yeah i'm and, under seven and, and you can average out whatever Pat is.
0: yeah i mean i would be close to seven as well i would probably i mean I six think, eight you got it we're okay. moving on that
1: works poetic town what do we think here uh, none of the lyrics really stuck out to me. me um, I didn't listen to them
2: though, no, like you guys don't yeah. know that I don't listen lyrics.
0: They were okay in places. I, the thing is, I,
2: and this but, is I mean, this listen. is just a matter of of human psychology. They stick out more when they're bad than when they're good. That's very true, and guys. So like when it was gonna throw me off, that's when it jumped out to me more. But. I you will the say lime in the you do
1: put the lime in the coconut <laughs> and drink and it then, all up. Yeah,
2: that's true. I mean that that song's like a, a point two to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I can't keep this this uh, facade up. Um, put the that's lime in the I mean he should be like control, a, a maybe a three for that. <laughs> um
0: Honestly, I think we probably give him, like, in the fives. Okay. I think way more good than bad, and I think the bad came at the very end of the last album, really. And
2: also Coconut.
0: Oh, come, come on. Come on.
2: Coconut is not a good poem. You no, cannot no, sit no, here listen. and tell me that Coconut is a It's not a good poem. It's just not good. Uh, I have a two-inch <laughs> microbeas. Is a better poem than Coconut. <laughs> I have
1: a two-inch micro penis. <laughs> and, and, nope. And nope. Oh,
2: nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. I
1: thought we were family-friendly here. Um, like, we are. Okay, so I mean, that's uh, a medical I'll give term.
2: Me, I'll give you the five, but I'm done after five that. works. Uh, but I know you want to give the the case for X okay. factor. Okay, I'm fine with it.
0: I'm giving an argument for five points of X
1: factor. Mm. Hold on. Okay, I'm holding. I'm we holding.
0: we typically reward people for the creation of things. Okay, we do. We've given up to three X-Factor points for inventing things.
2: They The standard is two. Okay. Two for a genre.
0: So, Harry Nielsen is credited with the invention of two of the most popular use items in music history, the mashup and the remix. That is fascinating. Like, seriously, the fact that this guy that we're talking about here invented the mashup. Mashups are huge. We use mashups. We do. We, we do. use multiple mashups in every gig. So, sure. like, they're they're very extremely popular music things. Like, I, I can't be more clear than that. This guy I, invented yeah. both of them. It's probably... Other than inventing a genre itself, the most significant invention we've talked about on the podcast.
1: Alex,
2: how do you feel about that? Um, are, so, are you arguing for full five? I am not there. I'm. I think I'm, I'm thinking... starting
0: in a full five because I felt like you would argue me down a little bit. But yes. he deserves. If you argued, a ton of if points. if you
2: argued a, a
1: three, I think I'd be right on board with. it. I would be totally on board with a three. Uh, see, as I well. think a three so, is so not enough. Listen, here is the thing. I think. I think for me, and and this. Uh, might be wrong because because they're two different things. But a remix and a mashup feel very, very similar. Different. I know, but they feel very similar. But they're
0: very different. They're two completely different things.
1: We don't do any remixes. No. Well, actually, that's not yeah, true. Do we know do a I'm remix of? when do you know what we what I'm do of?
0: when we did the reggae version of I've Just Seen a oh, Face. Oh, right, you're right, you're right, That's a remix.
1: Do you know what I, I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of a. Uh, uh, isn't that Pitch Perfect where they do remixes or Glee or something like that?
2: And I, it's just mashup i mean maybe anyways the average I, the average we're going to get is like a 3.8
0: so i mean let's just be clear one i would take a 3.8 two you let's just it. be clear i can't
2: take a 3.8. just for the average Wait, 3 point point of 5, five?
0: So. just for the average people okay a remix is taking the body of a song and changing the style changing the genre changing things like that a mashup is
1: that what he did when he did a remix album yes i i, a- I, I thought i read his remix album is just like he EQ'd it, he uh, read like he slowed some tracks down and like sang over it again. He did new vocals. That's changing in the style, slowing it down. Yeah, I guess it's change so. is changing
0: so. the style. Second off, I mean, just because he just because his creation isn't necessarily the exact thing we use today doesn't mean he didn't start it. Guess That's what? That's certainly Thomas true. Edison did not invent the LED bulb, and yet we probably wouldn't have LED bulbs without incandescent light. That's true. You know when you invent that start, <laughs> and just because other people change it, uh, but right. to be clear, that's a remix, and then a mashup is taking two songs and putting them together in a creative way. So, like that, or and more of them then becomes a medley. Correct. Just you know All a right. little bit of. So of we've
2: got what we've got, and we're gonna go. Uh, Let's talk doobie. about the Doobie Brothers. Doobie
0: doobie do. All right, the Doobie 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 do brothers are an American rock band from San Jose, California.
2: Right. All of wow. that was I've been correctly. saying all those things wrong yeah, my whole life. I thought
0: you might have been. Yeah. Uh so they were active from nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty two, said, Hey, wait, five years later, nineteen eighty seven, they're active again. Right. And are still going strong. Yeah. And they uh they do music and that we listened do. to some of it. So uh the albums that we listen to by the Doobie Brothers are the Doobie Brothers, the eponymous album. Gotta love that. Um I I think all three this, this this week again. Yeah. if Basically, you count, I mean, everything that Harry Nielsen, Nielsen does yeah. is
2: something Nielsen, Nielsen, Nielsen. I'm sorry. Lost Nielsen, Nielsen. and found yeah. what did not technically have his name in True, it. True, but most of his albums do.
0: Uh, so we did The Doobie Brothers, which came out in 1971. Followed that up with Minute by Minute, which came out in 1978. And then Southbound from 2014. So a big jump.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Always a mixed bag with the jump. You're absolutely <laughs> with right. With the time skip. Uh, and I think I have to go first. You do. Um, I believe you according do. According to our laws. Yeah, yeah the bo- the bylaws of, of Totem Talk. <laughs> so uh, my overall notes, I have that it was not the strongest debut ever, but it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. All right, moving on, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And... and- to say that, I mean, I think there were definitely moments here. You got the feeling that this was a young, new band, mm-hmm. and you had no idea, listening to this band, that this was going to become the Doobie Brothers. The music is different, way more like kind of almost blue gla- bluegrass rock-ish. Um, I know that that's not necessarily what I first think of when the Doobie Brothers pops into my head. Okay. It's not. I mean, and I, when I think of the Doobie Brothers, I think of more of the Michael
2: McDonald songs. See, I don't. And that's fine. Yeah.
0: You're a weird person, but. I, they had more
2: hits pre Michael McDonald.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: whatever. More. I mean, I'm not saying there, there were several hits Michael McDonald, but more of their hits Blackwater, Jesus is Just All Right, China Grove, Long Train Running, like those songs are the ones that I more associate with the Doobie Brothers, which is this sure. why I was having like the total opposite experience. I was like, this is. Like exactly like all the other Doobie Brothers so, albums. I, yeah, no, I, did, I did, had that total opposite feel.
1: I have a question for you then. Who do you think is the better, the better uh, singer for Doobie Brothers? Oh, like, Michael
2: McDonald's the better singer. Okay. Michael McDonald's but the better But I'm just saying like I more associate them with that almost southern rock style sure. than the R&B-ish feel of the Michael McDonald group. That's fine. That's where more of their songs I know come from.
0: Um, and that's just not the way it was for me. Uh I thought that they immediately the one thing that was relevant to me throughout the Doobie Brothers is their use of harmonies. Very strong harmonic band, just as strong pre Michael McDonald.
2: Yeah, I thought that it was better on this first album. I would say so too,
0: I think. Um Tom Johnston is kind of the the brainchild Mm -hmm. uh throughout this one. He wrote a lot of the stuff and Actually, his illness later on is what led to Michael McDonald joining the band, which thank you. uh, Right. You know, it it worked out well for everybody. He came back and it was a great time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for getting sick. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) He came back. He was fine. It was a great time. Uh, But seriously, the opening track, Nobody, I thought had a really, really good vocal line. Mm -hmm. Um, More so than later on, which is impressive to me because I liked the entire album. Um, There was the hiccups for me that I had um, on the song Greenwood Creek. The only thing that I have is it felt unsure of itself, rhythmically specifically. And and I think that kind of pervaded a little bit throughout this album. It just felt like they weren't comfortable yet. And granted, they're young. It's the early 70s. You know, there was definitely room for improvement. And I think they did kind of settle in on themselves. But this first album wasn't the best um however for me the killer use of harmonies the the writing on the vocals here uh, some really good songwriting that came out of uh, Tom Johnston here all of that is what took the cake for me Mm -hmm. so even though I recognize that there was room for improvement I still really enjoyed the album
2: yeah um I'm just gonna jump in here because a lot of the things that I have to say I've already kind of touched on which for me hearing this album and not knowing any songs I was like how did this not you know sell way more in retrospect because it feels just like all these other doobie brother albums you know all these songs could have been hits just like black water was just like china grove was just like long train runner was you know uh i I thought it was really good from beginning to end especially nobody like you mentioned that opening track not only did it set the precedent with great harmony but love the bass lines on that song really enjoyed those uh and great acoustic guitar sounds I really like the way the record sounded, generally okay. speaking, yeah, from absolutely. the harmony to the way uh, the instrument, uh, individual instruments came out. I'm just kind of more surprised that it didn't find as much success as I think it should have, because I think this okay. was a, a really good first album from them.
0: Well, Alex, where do you fall? I liked it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another <right>. gripping, gripping
0: <laughs> tale of woe from Alex.
1: Um, no, I, I mean, so, and and I'll take us into the next album with this. Yeah. Um, I, like, it, it was good. I don't know if I really consider it, like, you know, like, great in any ways. Like, I, I enjoyed listening to it, but, like, okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't play it again. Whereas the next album, Minute by Minute, um, which was released uh, December 1st, 1978, and yes. features, um, th- a different lineup of, right. uh, Patrick Simmons, Michael McDonald, um, Jeff Skunk, Skunk Baxter, Baxter, uh, Tieran Porter, uh, other people, uh, right? <laughs> Other I'm people. names now, uh, John Hartman, Keith, Keith Nudson. sure. Um, the where they shift to, uh, uh Nick said earlier, like more of like an RB kind of like poppy kind of vibe. There's,
0: there's a very specific term for the music they're putting out right now in this era, blue eyed soul, sure. That I mean, 100% that's what it yeah. is, yeah.
1: And and man, like the world's better for me, like I, yeah. It, it, it like shifts differently and i know there's uh, the in between you know between this album and and doobie brothers made a lot of good songs but this like the record seems tightly produced um the like at all the harmonies are like amazing michael McDonald's a, a wonderful uh marble mouthed singer
0: well it's funny you mention that, so I actually talked to Nick about this, and, and I think we agree. There is a very specific ratio of marbles to mouth Yeah, exactly. that we drastically improves your singing. You have right. people like Eddie Vedder, Dave
2: Matthews, Michael McDonald, mm-hmm. who
0: just, they have like four or five right. marbles. You
2: want to have enough marbles in your mouth to uh, to make the sound different, yeah. but not so many that you're going to choke or that you can no longer move your right. mouth. Once because there's too many, filled that filled you become marbles. like rusted root. Yeah, right. how many, yeah, I was about to say, how many did Rusted Room have? So Rusted had, had
1: all of 45 marbles. marbles. 45 marbles. Yeah. 45
0: marbles in the mouth. Each one and the but, size of a tennis and, ball. And, and what's <laughs> good What's
1: good about Michael McDonald having the marbles in his mouth is that later on in his life, he, he sings, and you're like, oh man. Sounds the same. Still the same Marble Mouth McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> good old Marble Mouth McDonald. <laughs> Um, but That's so how he's regularly known. The yeah. highlight of this album what everybody knows would be what a fool believes. Sure. Yes. Um originally written or, or written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins originally recorded by Kenny Loggins not as, not good. as good. <laughs> good like we just listened to it certainly yeah. not as good as as the uh, version on this album. Um I did they had an instrumental on this
2: album which mm-hmm.
1: I thought was great. I don't totally. like the fact that the instrumental was on the album is great. The
2: instrumental itself was good like I wish it kind of went more See, places. I felt- liked the fact that it was a call back to their original like southern rock sound that they had for their first like three or four albums. Yeah. I liked that. That kind of call back to, I just, to that just, sound. For
1: me it didn't really like grow so like they were go- they they had that like theme I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then it would take them to like a, a bridge kind of solo. Yeah, I get you. And they went to the theme a third time and I was like, "All right, nothing's changing like Yeah, I get you. Either from. wrap it up or like change it up." Um but overall like really like this album. I think it was the best of the listening like in just terms of like overall albums. Mm-hmm. Um Sure. But yeah, that's where I stand.
0: Nick, why don't you talk?
2: Uh yeah, I mean I agree with some things that you're saying definitely um the R&B sound has taken over and that works really well when you've got a good singer. It's a genre that I'm generally, you know, gravitate towards. Yeah. Um great keyboard sounds on this record Absolutely. i love the keyboards that they use they really sounded nice uh as great as the harmonies are i was a little disappointed that they weren't as prominent as they were on the first record Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have heard more. I,
0: I really do think that was just a product of the kind of tumultuous approach to this album. So they didn't really know if Tom Johnson was going to be a part of it or sure. not a part of it. All of the writing was kind of fast paced when they realized that he
2: was just out because of his yeah. health
0: issues. They brought in Michael McDonald. It was so
2: you know. Yeah, no, I I get it, but it would have just been nice, you know. I agree. In an ideal I would have world, preferred it as well. I would have liked more. And and I've got I've got to say I've got one other major critique of this album, okay, which is you've got some new members of the band, Michael McDonald, the other one being Skunk Baxter, who is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. If you don't believe me, go listen to some Steely Dan records. Skunk Baxter is like he's one of those names that Maybe the average person doesn't know when it comes to greatest guitarists of all time. But if you ask anyone who plays guitar, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Skunk is absolutely one of the best. And we didn't really get to hear that much from him. Yeah, that's like, fair. the B side, there's definitely some more interesting guitar work and they let him roam a little bit more. But I'm like really looking forward to hearing him play and I wanted so much more from like one of the all-time great guitarists.
0: And listen, I completely understand. And that
2: doesn't mean the songs were bad. It was just like I'm waiting, okay, when's the when's the biggest guitar solo coming? When am I going to hear them let Baxter loose? When is he going to yeah. get a chance to shine? And he's like one of my favorite musicians and I just didn't hear from listen. him, which was disappointing but obviously the songs were strong without him yeah but
0: you know he could have he could have played a little bit i get where you're coming from with that and i'll start talking about it i i think for me i did see skunk and i was like okay that's not the genre of music they're going for though True. It was almost just like they brought Skunk Baxter in for the old stuff. Sure. And then we're like, oh, wait, we're we're not writing that now. We're writing all this blue-eyed soul, you know, more R&B-styled stuff. Totally. You know, it just kind of might have just been a a product of all the, the hodgepodge of getting this album together. Yeah, sure. For me, just an immediate difference. Uh, I I did enjoy the first album. I had very positive things to say about it. Just a significantly stronger album all around here. Uh, the the soul, the emotion that Michael McDonald sings with. and I think most importantly, the range that Michael McDonald has. Like, I've heard, you know, everybody kind of has heard uh, the parodies of Michael McDonald's sure. voice. All the singers that have that marble mouth mm-hmm. tendency mm-hmm. get get made fun of. Uh, one that we forgot, I, I mean, uh, he's not really, uh, he's got that same kind of overbearing marble equality as Michael Bolton. Sure. Similar style. Uh, just the the high range that he sings with on What a Fool Believes. Mm-hmm. Like, I've heard that song on plenty of times. Sure, yeah. But, like, act, actively listening to it for this podcast, I was just like, oh, my God. You know, really impressive stuff from him. Uh, And I thought that that kind of carried through over and over again. So minute by minute, the title track just drenched in that emotional soul voice from McDonald. Uh, You have a solid Simmons contribution with depending on you or dependent on you uh, after that. Um, You do have Don't Stop to Watch the Wheels, another Simmons one where you do get that rock heavy guitar, uh, some solid mix it up to close out the A side. So, you know, a lot of positives on that. Uh, The one that I didn't think was the greatest on this album was another Simmons contribution called Sweet Feelin'. Um, I just had that it wasn't my favorite. And then I kind of fell between the two of you uh, on the instrumental track. Okay. I appreciated it very specifically for it going back to its roots. But I do agree that by the third run through the riff, it got sure. a little repetitive for me, uh, especially it being only three minutes and twenty four seconds. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel There's like no you're need being to be repetitive. repetitive at that point. Yeah, um, but overall, an incredibly strong album, and really just the fact that they were able to to have two genres of music yeah, that right. they're well-known for.
2: Exactly. I'm glad that we did the records that we did just to get like the two very yeah. different Doobie Brothers feels. Exactly.
0: Um, but, I mean, on the plus side, even if we didn't get to do that, we get to do Southbound. Right, so, which is
2: the Doobie Brothers' greatest hits, re-recorded.
0: Yeah. So, basically, um, Southbound came out in 2014. And the Doobie Brothers took like a page out of these old school tribute albums uh, and recorded one. So it's all of their biggest songs. Brought they brought in contemporary artists to record with them.
1: And which, which by the way, they brought in contemporary country artists. Yeah, they, which they are primarily the country. country. I band. thought, yeah, which I th- I didn't really think about that. Like yeah. that's, that country kind of evolved from mm-hmm. southern rock, or a lot of modern country yeah. did. But like it made sense but i was just like i heard that and, and i was like this i is- will
0: tell you i loved this album so it's super rare uh we've done before artists who've re record them stuff. i mean going all the way back to the yardbirds like you know all the way back to that very early episode and we've had it you know interspersed throughout other seasons or other episodes as well i think that it is so rare to find a tribute album that I want to listen to over the original. And this one is about 50 50, which is incredibly high odds. So, you know, I think that if you open up with
2: Blackwater, you have. Which was their other number one hit besides What a Fool Believes, for the record, yes. in case anyone was wondering. They've gra- had two number ones. It's a great
0: song. It's a great song, but they brought in the Zach Brown Band. And if there's one contemporary Southern rock. Band, more country, country band Southern rock, that
2: doesn't suck. That, it's the Zach Brown band. Well, yes, that I was right. gonna
0: say that relies so heavily on harmony.
2: Oh my god, yeah.
0: So like you bring them in, you have them go toe to toe with the Doobie Brothers, and they're all harmonizing, and they're, you know it's the back and forth is there, and I think it's immediately evident two things. One, they put a lot of effort into the mixing of this album to make it all sound super clean. And two, the Doobie Brothers absolutely hold up. They are going toe-to-toe with every single one of these contemporary artists and holding their own, or in some cases exceeding, as I'm going to get to in a minute. Um, Just saying. I understand, you know, Nick, I know you want to take away a little bit, and, and that's fine, but just putting together... A tribute album like this of their own songs and you know, finding a reason to listen to this over the original. I think that's not something that is easy to do and something they did very well. There you go. Um, and then just a couple other highlights. They did What a Fool Believes, um, with Sarah Evans as the the guest vocalist here. And I started listening to it, and my first thought was, she's good. Mm-hmm. She's not as good as Michael McDonald sang this song. That was the first one, so that's track three. Tracks one and two, I could give or take listening to them or the originals. Okay. And either one would be good for me, would be fun for me. Uh, Blake Shelton covered uh, was the vocalist and listened to the Music, which is the second song. I thought he did really well. Uh, but when we get to What a Fool Believes, uh, Sarah Evans was the first one. I was like, I'd rather listen to Michael McDonald. And then Michael McDonald sings on it and just absolutely shows her up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like Michael McDonald in 2014 is not a young man. No, he is not. And he is the one, instead of the woman singing, is the one singing the high harmony and the high parts in What a Fool Believes and just crushes it. And I'm like, wow, that's got to be tough. It's got to sure. be tough. Um, and then the only other thing I want to point out, it's, it's just another funny thing. So, Long Train runs is the fourth track. And it featured Toby, Keith, and Huey Lewis. And they got Huey Lewis. They brought him in and went, You, sir, you will only play the harmonica. You will not that sing on the album. That's a
1: six degrees. That's, that was my six degrees because he, p- uh, uh, <laughs> he also played on Thin Lizzy's Live He also played on Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous. He played, oh, he played oh, wow. harmonica on that as well.
0: Just absolute, what a power move to be like, hey, Huey Lewis. But in 2014, Huey Lewis is a bigger name. No, now. but
1: he's a harmonica player. Yeah, like, like, yeah, he is. plays he's harmonica a on a lot of stuff. Yeah, But he's a true. singer.
2: Anyway, Alex, do you want to talk about Southbound next or do you want me to? Um, how high are you on it? I mean, are, not as so, high as Pat. Do, do you know how you know how I feel about it? I are, knew. Are you going to be a middle feel ground? Better. I'll be in the middle.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go next. Then, um, I enjoyed this album. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it was framed as like maybe like a live session where like I can watch video of them like all playing and like stuff like that. Like kind of like live at Daryl's house. house. Yeah. Like that, like I would be totally cool with that. That would be amazing for me. The fact that this is like just an album that they recorded and released, and it's not like live, and I can't watch it or anything. Like, I it feels lazy as an album uh, to just be like. I think you're missing the it's, point. It's it's a step up from a greatest hits album for me.
2: And yeah, I, it's definitely more than just them recapping their greatest hits because because decided they do it them. and
1: and and like Pat saying everybody's on top of their game here The in, like instrument instrumentation amazing still uh the vocals still good um but i just i don't know i just don't feel that strongly about it um i thought it was you know uh like it, it's it's just maybe a, a little bit better than doing a great episode, um, like i've said before um and you're not really getting much more than that. Yeah, yeah. I just I wanna say And I, I don't like the country singers either. Like I could do without them, some sure. of them. Like country country singers, I wrote this down, have like a really weird quality to their voice where it's just like too smooth. Like, um I forget who it was. Maybe it was Casey James on Jesus is just alright. But like his voice was just like too too good. It felt weird.
2: Interesting.
0: Interesting strategy. I okay. just want to say this album really felt like a callback to old school tribute albums. So back in the day before a lot of things were on YouTube and stuff like that, way back in the, you know. No, I'm serious. Like, there were people who would just record tribute albums.
1: And who are they tributing themselves?
0: Well, sometimes themselves, sometimes other bands. Like, it was a popular thing. No, now, no, no. YouTube but I'm is saying, full I mean, of Doobie Brothers.
1: Doobie Brothers. Well, so the Doobie they...
0: Brothers. Yeah, it's a call. It's a tribute album to their career. I guess. I'm sure. the, the way that it was styled was similar to them. That's what I'm yeah, saying. It's yeah, a I'm throwback. Just, yeah. I'm it's it's very similar. similar. It's I and,
1: mean, and, and and don't get me wrong. Not sir, a bad album. Nick No Speak. No. Not a bad album at all. It's they're, they're uh, it's amazing uh, uh, like quality wise. It's amazing song wise. Like the songs are all good, but it's just like it's not for me if if I were in charge like making this list I would look at this album and go it's not really a studio album it's like a a compilation album I I get you
2: yeah I mean I will say I just looked over it it's about 85% synonymous with their the best of the doobies compilation that went diamond uh in the United States by the way uh which means they've had a ton of great hits and that the songs on this record are great songs yes and I mean like I guess For some of them i could kind of take or leave you know this version on this album or the original if i'm being honest with myself and with everyone else i'm going to continue to listen to the doobie brothers and i'm going to continue to put on their original records and the original versions of these songs instead of what happened on southbound not that it was at all bad and you know would i I always would prefer to see them trying to write something new or you know find some new music uh, instead of doing this. But, you know, what are you going to do?
0: That's fair. I just think that, you know, you get to a point, and Nick, you said it very, very succinctly uh, when we were on the phone earlier this week. Mm-hmm. You said that you just, you think that we just have a hard time getting in that head. Because we're space. so
2: far from that point in our career. Yeah, because we're, so.
0: we're like still just beginning the creative exactly. process together and things like that. So like, you know, for them, the creative process has shifted from, yeah. you know, right from and, creating and if brand I was, new songs to re right. making a master if we mastering. were
2: as famous as the doobie brothers and a bunch of artists who are popular wanted contacted us because they wanted to record versions of some of our songs with us i would be like that sounds like a ton of fun yeah and i i get it okay nick i have a question for you cuz cuz you, right.
1: you know it you know probably more of the songs on the album original sure do they change it up much, or is it for the most not part... No. no, it's
0: it's not a lot of no. change-up.
1: If, if, if they change it up, maybe I'll be a little bit higher on yeah, it. Yeah, I, like, I get that, Like, too. if they were different... Like, really I'd be different. cool with maybe like like so so let's say like they uh, China Grove was maybe like they kind of added some stuff to it or, or or changed up the feel of it, remixed <laughs> it or mashed it up.
2: There you go. Look at that. They could take a page <laughs> Listen, out of Harry Nelson's I, anyway, I, I I'd
1: be I'd be more high think, on it, but it's just yeah, like we get just, yeah. we
2: get where we stand. Let's grade them. Let's grade them. Uh, so I think it's obvious to everyone that the Doobie Brothers are going to be. Um, the highest cultural impact cultural impact sure. of, recently
1: uh, inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame i yes, don't know if we mentioned ab- no
2: we hadn't yet but thank you for bringing it up and I was a just about 2004 to look for year.
0: inductee in the vocal group hall of fame
2: and that makes perfect sense to me as well so um but obviously i mean they've had a ton of hit songs they have had several different platinum several uh multiple double platinum and a triple platinum album yes uh, they sell very very well they've had two number one hits uh, as i mentioned earlier And tons of other top 40s. And as
0: Um, you mentioned, they have a a compilation album that went diamond.
2: That's correct. Yes. Which I think I owned. I don't know where it is. You and 10 million other people. Right. As like a CD. (laughs) uh, Way back in the day. But anyway, obviously, we're going to be like a couple points above an average here. Oh, I think I was Just, saying maybe yeah, like a couple points. May- <laughs> maybe high sevens or, or low sevens? I was thinking in the sevens. That
0: yeah. was my I was got- thinking high sevens. I could go low eights, but high sevens works. I think works. Sevens,
2: is sevens is where works, we, we yeah. belong. But like
0: a seven eight or a seven nine. I'm okay sevens. with
2: the seven eight. Yeah, I think okay. that makes the That's most good. sense. I'm going to be the one talking you down on a classic rock artist. And then every I want to come back to this and reference it later. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's fine. And breadth of work, as I already mentioned, a ton of their, their certifications are very good. There yeah. were fourteen studio albums. Uh they're all at worst, if you didn't like what they did with the last album, nice to listen to. Yeah, I they're mean, at worst, at nice, worst to listen to. nice to listen to. And I yeah. think yeah. the
0: big thing that's gonna give them points here that we should all think gives them points here, is they very, very easily towed that line between two vastly different genres. Yeah totally bluegrass rock and blue eyed soul are like mm-hmm. oil and water yeah you're and absolutely they right did them flawlessly And, b- yeah, and both of their
2: both of their big songs in both genres got number one you're exactly yeah. you're you're absolutely right so i, I will say I their, their total high. their total sales are right around 48 million which is great which is very good but i just want to you know I oh, always like not... to keep that up when we start getting into the really high numbers, and yeah. they're competing against bands that have sold like two hundred million, like Eagles, oh, yeah. or six hundred million, like the Beatles. Not up there, but not there. But I
0: mean, the the floor has got to be in the eights.
2: Yeah. Probably low, low 8s. Yeah. yeah. I would be like an 8.
0: I'm a little- I'm I, would a, I'm be, I was nice. going to say eight. I'm only saying say eight, eight. 8. Like,
2: I get more, but I'm just thinking of other artists of yeah, equal merit who have sold four to five times as many records, Yeah, and I don't want to go crazy
0: on No, that. I mean, when I say I'm in the 8s, I'm like at 8.2. I'm definitely not- I mean, I'm definitely not high. I, I can average high, you
2: out though. to an 8.1. I can live with an 8.1. I hope you do. Uh, and I'm not- I'm in a similar place for the next one, but lower. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in a similar but lower place. Ah, uh, see. Because I'm... I don't think that for the most part, instrumentally speaking, this is a group that has talented players who just play good parts that ben- it's not like most of the music, in and of itself, is mind melting. It's not. It's not that's UK. True. Like, I mean, it's I nowhere just... close on the instrumentals to UK.
0: And that's I'm I'm not up that high.
2: You know what I mean? I do think that what we they're vocally the strongest group.
0: Yeah, we need to give them a little credit for having Tom Johnson and multiple Michael McDonald, talented singers. I agree. You know, like, but I'm saying two very talented lead vocalists who were sure. still a part of the band. Yeah, who trade off and like Agreed. neither one of them is is just a backing vocalist who sings. I- Song I agree.
2: Two? I agree. But that is like the one area where this band is like really, really above. Yeah. Whereas in most areas they're kind of like average or maybe slightly above average. Or you get cases where you have someone like Skunk Baxter who's like a ten as a guitarist, who never really gets to like show that off on, on these records. Sure. You know? So what
0: number are you thinking?
2: Uh I could be like maybe seven and a half.
0: I understand. I can do a seven and a half.
2: Okay, Alex, how did you feel? You're kind of like looking at us. I was going to a... go up a little
1: bit. I was going to. Oh, I will, I will go up. I was going to go to maybe like seven point
0: nine. Uh ooh, I'm in.
2: Okay, I mean, I will put it at seven seven. There it is. Okay, I like it. I, I, I think
1: I I think the while while the like like you're saying, it's mm-hmm. like they're not necessarily virtuosic in any way. Everything they're doing instrumentally is super tight. Right and, and, um,
2: and great for the song. Which is why I was going to say there's a lot of it is more about oh, songwriting talent. The next, talent, what, the the next two are, are going to have
0: some points involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, d- I definitely agree that what they do harmonically is excellent all the time. That's points towards Very songwriting true. talent. The fact that they were super successful in multiple genres is points is towards huge. songwriting talent. Uh, but again, I'm probably maybe similar to where we were on instrumental. Oh, see, I'm, I... Because uh. I, I once you get much higher than seven point seven, we're talking about like you know pretty out of this world uh, and wide ranging things.
0: Yeah, but I I I think that they are pretty wide
1: ranging. Mm. Uh, I'm 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 with Nick on this one. 7. I okay. I mean that's fine. And, and, I mean like, just very think high range. My here. reason for it is like the only songs you really know by them are like "What a Fool Believes."
2: Blackwater. Yeah. Um, taking it to the streets. long Train running. Trying to grow. Well, hold Jesus, on. This is okay. just okay, all right. Listen. Like, these are all big hits. These They're are all, all top three. They're big hits. songs. Yes.
1: But, like, I don't know I feel like taking
0: it to the streets did we say that one I
1: did alright well maybe maybe I'm wrong here. blinded by and the light. I'm, I'm not, I won't finish my <laughs> no I won't finish my that's my
2: fine <laughs> I mean look I think there's a difference between being great at two genres and being great at ten genres like Jethro Tull or the Beatles yeah. and those but bands did that time, while those... being yeah, able that's, to execute that's what I was excellent to say. harmonies yeah. and
1: do other things that made the Doobie the, Brothers excellent I, I as think, well I think anything higher than H you're getting to, to songwriters oh, I was, that yeah. are just constantly writing amazing stuff Yeah. They in the need to be in the some uh, some of the Doobie Brothers stuff just kind of falls flat. Yeah. I want to be clear, I was
2: not in the eights. Okay, I'm I like was seven point nine. Oh, so okay. I'm seven seven. I'm also seven seven. Average is out to seven seven.
0: I okay. don't like your math. I what mean, do you he's mean? not wrong. He's I not wrong.
2: Doesn't mean I have to like his math. <laughs> but if we're if we're in the same situation on poetic talent, then it'll average to whatever your score is.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff that they write is strong lyrically. I think that they're the strongest, consistent lyricist of the group by far today. Okay. And I think that they write, and I think it's a product of being able to have multiple people write, which is another bonus. That helps. You know what I mean? So it's not just like, hey, they have a songwriter, Mm -hmm. they have multiple people in the band contributing to the lyrics. Absolutely right. So, uh, you know, that I think gives them points. I think that you have songs that really stand the test of time that have really consistent messages, that have these profound lyrics involved in them. So, I mean, I am a, probably a little bit lower than the song writing.
2: Okay, wow. Just
0: just a little bit, though. Just because I think that there were moments in the song writing that made me go, wow. The harmonies made me go, wow.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the poetic talent didn't jump out at me, really. Right, and which is why I'm a little
0: all. lower. I'm probably in, like, the l- lower half of the sevens. Okay,
2: see, I would have been in, like, the fives. Okay. I, if I'm being totally honest with you, like, it didn't really grab me. Nothing was bad. Sometimes I'd be like, Yeah, cool, man. But it what That's fine. I didn't, it it wasn't at that deep for me either for my experience i don't know how you felt about it alex
1: i have absolutely no opinion because i i you know i don't listen to the lyrics so nothing <laughs> lyrics are nothing less stood, important than music nothing stood out to me and i don't want to that's dock not them. True. <laughs> i don't want to dock them <laughs> points because of it okay so um, i I'm, I'm just i'm sitting okay out so of
2: they, this one. they felt like in the fives to me they felt like they're in the sevens to pat so i guess we're going to say the sixes. i'll say six just to just yeah to make i it mean a I, bit I, we
0: have to at least go in the sixes i mean I, seriously yeah. all
2: right Six point
1: two. i love it six point two Three. No. I'm I was on. We, the, I was all all right, hold on, the seven. hold on. I already we went. gave
2: the seven seven last time, so we'll give Pat the six three this time. Yeah, we will. Can we
1: give, give him the six four? Because that's
2: my height. Okay. No. Okay. Uh damn. Is there an X factor specific to the Doobies? I mean, they, they've done some stuff that we've talked about, but not really precedent set for for X factor. So I think they're a band that's like X factor adjacent, but there's nothing I can think of that like is definitively the points that we didn't already cover. In, like, the quality of the music itself.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I can understand that. I probably wouldn't give them an X factor. Yeah.
2: I think they're... And they're fine where they are. Nobody worry. Uh, Which means I do have uh, scores. Good. So, coming in uh, third place today was the best band that we listened to, UK. Oh, you're kidding me. What? Yeah. Because they had two records and everybody else had... Oh, more ridiculous. above 10. I'm I mean, okay with it. They only got I'm hurt not. in every category because of a, a lack of work. Yeah. But their two records were my two favorite that we listened to and I love the Doobie <laughs> Brothers. Um, So they got a 20 flat. And then okay. winning this week's episode is Harry Nielsen with a 55. No, I'm just kidding. The Doobie <laughs> Brothers. I'm sorry,
3: Harry Nielsen with a... <laughs>
2: No, I'm kidding. Uh, it was, of course, the Doobie Brothers with a 37.6. Respectable score. A very score. respectable score. Actually, the same winning score that we had last week for Fat Domino. Wow. Go figure. Yeah. I and guess we just recycled our scores. Yeah. I mean, we're just going to have to keep a 37.6 in every episode. Uh, but Harry Nielsen had a 28.6. <laughs> right Alex in the is
0: distraught right now. <laughs> Why are you so distraught?
2: Uh, I, I just can't believe
1: UK lost. <laughs> well, I n- look, I can't believe UK did worse than Harry Nielsen. Look, we, oh my
0: god, they
2: had to. Alex, you and I know no, that you Harry and I Nielsen know Nielsen that was, UK put out two phenomenal albums oh and they're god, a great, so band. good. That's all that matters. And the people will hear our opinions of UK and they'll know that we thought that they were the best of the three.
1: Oh, just list, just like load up uh, their first album and just
0: like that
2: opening track. I man, know. Man. Oh I want to say
0: even Alex. Alex said the second half of the first album
1: wasn't as good.
2: As the greatness of the first album. I half. just
0: want to be clear.
2: Anyway. It's no, it's like it's like okay. When I if look,
0: somebody who absolutely It's like loves saying Rock, the Rock,
2: other Rock. tracks on Close to the Edge aren't as good as Close it, to the it, Edge. They're still great. Like like like
1: it, and, and this is gonna be sacrilege on my favorite band in the whole wide world. Twenty one twelve by Rush. Twenty one twelve. Amazing. Absolutely it is. And then this the the beast like the, the B side of it kind of gets a little bit like you're like, these are still good songs, but like I just listened to one of the best
2: songs in the whole wide world. Right. You like, get that. It's not that gonna compare. Yeah, that's fair. Um but anyway, come back and see us next week uh when we talk about Three Dog Night. Wow. You know what I heard about Three Dog Night? I heard that Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was
3: a bullfrog!
2: And- I have a two inch. Micro penis, And that's good, George, that it's two, because I've heard that one <laughs> is, in fact, the loneliest number. The loneliest
0: number.
2: <laughs> number. Oh, man. That really went off the rails at the end. It really but did.
0: <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, another, uh, you know, another Breaking fun one. An- no, not no, yet. Sorry, no. Uh, you haven't even scheduled people yet, because you're scared. I
2: did. I scheduled them for the... We've covered 1,000 artists' total extravaganza episode on episode 333 in season like 12 or something.
0: I love that. Look at us. Look at us go. I know. Really, really doing what we can here. We are. Uh, But seriously, um, now that we've done what we can, we hope that you guys do what you can uh, by listening to this episode. And then maybe if you really liked it, telling people about it. Everybody. Just on the streets.
2: Yeah. And Uh, if you hated it, tell everyone it was your favorite thing. Yeah. So that they have to listen to it and you don't have to anymore. Exactly. Uh,
0: But fun fact, what I did want to talk about today, um, since we've officially started this process, there is low Totem, Totem Talks merch available now. That's true. So if you guys are interested in getting the first run of Totem Talks pins, let us know. That's right. Um, You can use the hashtag Totem Talks. You can DM us. Or you can come to one of our gigs. Yes. Uh, We are a band. We perform. We will bring the pins to gigs. And if you bring yourself to a gig you can you can purchase a pin.
2: Yeah, so if you're listening in Seattle right now, please fly to Philadelphia yes. to come see us play at a bar.
0: Yes, please do that. Um or if you're listening in Seattle and you really want a pin, DM us, we we'll we'll will you. mail you a pin. Just just so you can have one. That's right. You know, I and uh you that's it. Yeah, pay for shipping though. Nah, come And on. handling. Not not every time. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of, of handling. handling. A lot of handling. Um but yeah, that's going to wrap us up. Uh hopefully that you guys tune back in next week hopefully three dog night was enough of a pull uh thanks for coming back alex congratulations on graduating from college hey thank you for having me yeah always can't wait to do more i'll see you next week i'll see you next week too but most importantly for this week have a great day